Hello and welcome back to Users First. I'm Alessio Ferracuti, UX designer and podcast host at Users First, and this is a recorded message from the future. Yeah, you guessed it, that's right, I'm in 2022, and I just added this short audio in the episode because I want to let you know that the episode you're about to listen belongs to the old season of the podcast. However, if you want to listen to shorter, better audio quality podcasts and a way better intro, skip to the new area and start listening to the episodes that have the new graphics. A little bit about myself if you don't know anything, I began studying UX design in 2019. Starting out, believe me, it wasn't easy, and after a few months of studying, reading books and networking, grinding really hard, I landed my first role in UX and decided to open a podcast and a blog to share actually my own experiences so far and, and from the experts that I've been talking to as well. Man, since my first role I've been learning so much from the smartest people in the field and now I've been handling successfully my career and I want to help you too so I can teach you the ropes, become confident in UX, land the dreams role in tech that you've been dreaming about for all these years and my job is gonna be simply to inspire you and bring the most experienced guests on the podcast for you. If you want to build your network, improve your UX skills in a fun way and learn about job opportunities Join our Discord channel, it's free, and I post UX quizzes there, and even have giveaways for you, I mean, uh, for the winners of the podcast. We have leaderboards and levels for the people who engage the most, and, you know, when you are in the top of the leaderboard and win the quizzes, not only you are given a shout-out in my episodes to show you, like, my full appreciation, but you'll also receive gifts from me. And to the ones that reach the highest level, I will even be sharing the secret sources with you of my career and give you access to my personal UX playbook and the books that influenced me the most in my career. Please don't join in too many, or I will literally go broke if I send gifts to everybody. Nah, I'm just kidding. Go check it out for real. And you know, if you want to help me pay off my expenses for the podcast, you can join our Patreon channel. And or you know, if you don't want to join Patreon, you can even uh, offer me a, a cheap coffee every month. You can access all of these from my website. It's UsersFirstPodcast.com. Hey, enjoy my oldest episodes. Peace out now. Bye. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Alessio Ferraguti from AlessioUX.com. And today we'll be interviewing an experienced uh, 2D artist and UX designer in Toronto, uh, Selena Muriel. Selena is a professional with many hats. She's a UX designer. She has been a 2D artist for over uh, eight years now. She's an entrepreneur and she sells also art. She has been in the game industry for over three years and uh, she focuses mainly on character design, product design, game art, UI and UX design in general. Today we'll discover what led her to move into the user experience design field and what she does in the video games industry for user experience. Enjoy this episode with me and Selena and here we go. Welcome to the user's first podcast by Alessio UX where we interview user experience designers and many other digital experts who focus on building products and services that delight users. And what is the number one rule of every product or business? It's that users always come first. Welcome to the Users First uh, podcast, Selena. Thank you. Hello. 
Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to have you here today. Uh, it's the first time we're interviewing someone uh, in the um, video gaming industry. So for me, this is this is this is pretty new, and um, I, I have no idea um, what you do in the, the game industry. So this is quite cool for me. <laughs> no worries. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. That, that's great. Uh, where are you living right now, Selena? I'm in Kitchener, Ontario, right now. Hmm. Um, is it snowing? Places. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is it snowing right now? Uh, not right now, but last week we had so much snow, like covering cars, covering roofs. I was not pleased. <laughs> oh, I can imagine that. <laughs> and what what's the situation uh, like with the COVID nineteen right now? Uh, are you still in lockdown, in Ontario? What, what's happening? We are still in lockdown for sure. Um, you're allowed to like walk in a park with family members, but you know stores still have all the same restrictions um we have actually right now if you're in too big of a group each person in the group will get like an 800 dollars fine so whoa yeah that's a lot <laughs> um so like may 2-4 weekend like uh, victoria day weekend which is a big thing in canada not happening no one's doing anything because like you like you could try but we're not about to get fined 800 dollars a person mm-hmm. <laughs> no mm-hmm. thank you yeah so, oh that's that's not good that's not good no. at all so we're just staying home. Yeah, well, of course, uh, stay home, uh, stay well, and stay safe. Um, Absolutely. To all our listeners. Don't go out in groups. I see some of my neighbors going out and getting into other people's cars, and that just yesterday, like, gets me really um, angry. Yesterday, down the street, there was like a party of 25 people just party. like on their lawn, hanging out way too close. Um, apparently, it's like a bunch of doctors, which I'm like, why? You're... Doctors? You people to know. <laughs> Like people are getting stir crazy, really. No, that that, that doesn't sound good. Oh, no. uh, you know, like um, they say that uh, doctors and uh, NHS staff in the United Kingdom is called NHS, but mm-hmm. uh, it's um care care uh, hospital care um, workers. They you know they 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 are the ones that are getting more uh, virus than anybody else. So well, yeah, because they're so like close contact with that. So I'm surprised that mm-hmm. any doctor would be hanging out with other people. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing an amazing job, you know, like, if, if I was a nurse, I, I would be really scared to go to the hospital, because there is always, like, that chance of oh, getting sure. the, the, the virus, so it's it's very brave of them, um, so very big, brave. big shout out to the to the hospitals and to the nurses out there, thank you for doing your job, and if you have a relative doing that, yes, uh, we clap <laughs> your hands for you, uh, in the UK we do uh, every night at 8 o'clock. Yeah, we have like 7 p.m. People will go outside and like ring bells and hit pots and pans. I mean, like that is the absolute least that we can do is clap for them. But mm, no, mm. they're they're absolutely heroes. Wonderful. Uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, you're a designer with many hats. I know yes. you you do a bunch of different things. You have a lot of side hustles. You freelance. Uh, you know, but b- before we get into that, otherwise we'll confuse other, our audience. Tell us a bit about yourself, uh, Selena. Before you stepped into um, game design, uh, what were you doing after you? Um, yeah, after what were you doing? Sorry, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, good. So, I was actually quite lucky that straight out of high school, I got into my game design program. I went to the Sheridan's Honors Bachelor of Game Design. It was four years, you get a bachelor's degree. But before that, um, I'd always been very interested in art and tech. I loved gaming as a kid. And I found that you can kind of mix like my love of art and games into game design. But then also I kind of through high school 
found that, you know, my entrepreneurial spirit, I started like a little like clothing brand here and there, nothing too big. But then I was also the dedicated graphic designer for my high school. And then along with that, I did graphic design for small businesses around. So I've kind of always been dipping my fingers into freelancing and working in the kind of like digital creative space. And then I kind of found my way into game design straight out of high school. That That's wonderful. And right after that, uh, you graduated from, um, you graduated from college or university for, a- for game design? It's a college, like, because Sheridan College is kind of like a weird thing where it's technically mm. a college, but I got a university degree from the college. So it's same level as university. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it uh, four years, three years? Four years. Yeah. So it's a mm-hmm. bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. an honors four bachelor's years. degree. Oh, wow. That's, that, that's a lot of years. Uh, must have learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got into like so many things. I'm, we'll get into it. <laughs> so, sounds very good. How did your career evolve after the um, graduation of, um, from the gaming design uh, uh, college? Um, so the, the college kind of gives you a very broad idea of the game dev industry. You get some art, you get some coding, you get, some, you get a lot of design, but you kind of get to feel everything. So um, I kind of decided on my own to kind of turn my career into the UI UX sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, as of right now, thank you to Corona. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of fallen into working for myself um, with my side hustle, making it my full-time thing because it's all I can do right now. But I'm still kind of looking for some UI UX work as well. But for now, I'm taking it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and uh, and at the end of the podcast, we'll also uh, um, you will also share the contact with all of us. So in case yes. if someone, project manager or whatever, is looking for uh, to hire a good UX designer, can get in touch with you or uh, get some advice from you, um, sure. especially if they're uh, designing a video game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, by the way, big shout out to GTA Five that right now is uh, is free for a week. <laughs> and, yeah, go on Epic, download that. Yeah. Get, get have you downloaded? Did you oh, download yeah. it? Oh yeah, oh. absolutely. <laughs> Uh, how how many how much money do you have in the online um in your online multiplayer account? Um, so I haven't. I played the I played GTA Five on PS3 back in the day. Oh. but I don't have any like I don't have any online money right now. I'm very frugal when it comes to buying things for mm. games. I will not spend real life money. I will earn it. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's buying air. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know what you've been. I've been spending all my money on fake tattoos in GTA Five. So, <laughs> like, I make fifty thousand dollars. You can't get any tattoos in real life right now, so you got to get that some other way. Yeah, I gotta get it some other way. I don't want to ruin my skin, but you know, I'll I'll do it on my uh, fake character. Yo, people, people online right now—they're buying tattoo machines off of Amazon and tattooing themselves. I'm like, don't. No way. If you're listening, don't do that. Don't tattoo yourself. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't tattoo you, yourself. You don't you know have what you're to learn. doing. It's so unsanitary. It is. Wow. Like have... It's also difficult. Like I, I, I can barely draw. Like uh, how do you, yeah. how do you tattoo yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Especially like because like someone else doing it makes sense perspective wise, but do <sighs> just don't do it. Sweet. Uh, you know, I think, well, I have a flatmate, you know, I'll, I'll buy the machine and I'll get him to give me a tattoo. <laughs> Would that work? Like Corona, like quarantine jail tattoo? Yeah, that, that, that doesn't work out. Uh, well, you know, related to college, what is it, what is it that you learned? Uh, was it like, was game designing, right? The, yeah. The, so mm-hmm. it was game design, but 
we also a big thing about being a designer is that you need to understand all aspects of development to be able to properly communicate your designs so like let's say that you're you know you're designing a mechanic for a character but you have no concept of how it could be coded you're like i don't know how this works you figure it out and then they're just gonna not be able to deliver your design because you never understood the limitations of coding so we learned everything from scripting so i learned like c sharp visual scripting in unity we did a, like uh some 3d modeling 2d art um of course general design game design ui ux design um wonderful yeah and did they also have classes on uh so uh, pardon my ignorance i don't know anything about gaming design no worries. <laughs> did they have classes <laughs> exactly and, and uh did they have classes on user experience design in college they they had one dedicated course to like UI UX, but in general, through learning all of our kind of game design stuff, um, designing games is designing for a user inherently. So you have kind of user experience design interwoven through everything, but an actual dedicated class was only one in like third year. But hmm. the kind of the beauty of how broad our program is, is that if you're very interested in in ux design you can kind of mold all of your other projects and your studies towards that and mm-hmm. kind of find your own focus mm-hmm. is a uh, uh, game design uh, similar to product design yes actually um there's actually a group of guys from my program who now they work for facebook they're very like they're our top tier guys um hmm. they are all more interested in product design than they are in um, actual game design and they kind of realized that through being in school so they they use all of their tools that they learned through game design which are very applicable to general like app and product design and they molded it that way um they there's like some intel student scholarship prize thing that just happened recently it was like some kind of competition and they won the innovation award which was crazy um their their capstone which is like uh, at the end of our four years, our last year, we get to do a big game project. Um, so for two semesters, you work on a big game rather than actually having classes. And one of like their group, they work with a farm, like a company that's teaching people overseas different farming techniques, and they completely make, turn it into like a product design rather than a game design thing, but like gamifying these products, which is yeah. also, I think, a big thing is like gamification of apps and products um in product design so it's very like it's very like hand in hand interwoven i think mm-hmm. i i can see that it makes absolutely sense like um how would you how would you describe like game game designing you know like for me for me it's very confusing because i've you know i can i can understand it's similar to product design it's uh but like what's the definition of it like uh what are you trying to achieve uh with game design is it like making an enjoyable user experience for the um, video gamers. Uh, what is it? I think you hit it there where it's just like, um, at the end of the day, it's creating fun. It's creating play. And through that is designing both mechanics and ways to interact with the mechanics through the user experience to be able to facilitate fun, whether like even if you're playing a horror game, which is necessarily innately your first thought of something that's fun, it's still thrilling in a way. And it's creating a experience through the like the visuals, the way you actually interact and like like feel through the game, through the controllers or the UI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just 
creating mm. fun and through that user experience. And but, um, you know, like uh, this, this is uh, something that I was talking a couple of days with a friend of mine uh, about about the fun part in a video game. But would it be a good user experience if instead of, uh, you know, fun, uh, the, the user would uh, feel fear instead? Like there is a lot of horror uh, video games. Yeah, um, I love horror games. And I think the, it's like, it's still fun to be scared in a way. Mm. Um, and a, I would say like, let's say a you like used user experience design that's failed in a horror game is you not being scared. So you can mm. design scary. And even in like the UI of the game, if it's supposed to be a scary game, but your UI is like bubbly and pink, I'm not going to mm. be scared. <laughs> um, if, if the way that the, you know, the user experiences the game through like even screen shake, for example, is a big thing in games where like it's called juice to like make things mm. kind of fun and like feel alive in its like not actual like natural in-game things like the UI. Um, if it instead of like shaking, like vibrating scared, it like mm-hmm. pops around, you're failing the user experience. So I think, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, no it, it makes sense. Uh, happy must be really happy, and uh, yeah. scary must be really scary. Really scary, yeah. and it has to hit that on the head to be a like a win for user experience. Mm-hmm. No, it makes absolutely sense, and uh, I think I think you can relate that to to a lot of things, like for example, uh, music or movies, and I think it's it's about everything. And game is just gaming is just like another another uh, category. Another I think um, in general, anything that you experience in life is user experience. Even walking into a store, the way that it's branded, the way things are laid out, they want the users coming into the store to feel a certain way and experience something. So mm-hmm. any form of entertainment or like media is user experience in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, I, can I share something? Uh, yeah. So a few months ago <laughs> about bad user experience. Uh, <laughs> a few months ago, I was, I was, uh, I was at a pub and I was, I was quite dizzy, you know. I, I, I wasn't one hundred percent sober. I'm not gonna lie. And I was going, I was going to the washroom. So uh, first off, okay, uh, I opened, I opened the door to go to the washroom, and in front of me there is five doors that have the same color, and there is no sign uh, <laughs> above the door. So I, I, I was extremely confused. I opened the first door. Oh shit, it's the storage. I opened the second door. Oh shit, it's the kitchen. And then I opened the pub. And then I opened the third door, and and I have to go two floors downstairs. Uh, to to the to the washroom, uh, and then I come back and I had the same freaking problem. I was confused. <laughs> there was like again five doors, and I didn't know where where the where the pub was again. So I opened the first door. It's the kitchen again. I get that a lot. Yeah, like everybody must must get confused. And, and like, uh, but, you thought you think at a certain point they just add a sign, at least one. I hope so. Uh, I think <laughs> someone's gonna sue them for that <laughs> because I, I disappeared but, like fifteen minutes. My friends thought I was kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> like literally 15 minutes and you know like yeah going down the stairs and everything. uh anyway yes uh like make sure you you invest in user experience is extremely important you don't want yeah to, to spend everywhere i mean minutes. you had a poor you had a poor user experience in that pub like a ux designer could have fixed that and i and i wasn't even that drunk like <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, stay safe uh don't get too drunk and uh Yes, uh, invest in user experience. <laughs> uh, what, what's your favorite part of uh, the UX UI? Like, what do first? What, what do you do in companies usually? 
when uh, they hire you as a freelance, uh, what is it? Which part of UX and UI do you do? Um, I typically end up working for indie developers, so smaller teams, um, not very big production, um, like on the money side. So it's smaller teams. You kind of wear more hats. So I do UI and UX. So I will design the U like uh, UI. startups. Yeah, startups mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and I will do both the UI UX from designing the way the users interact with the interface to how the interface actually looks. I think a big philosophy of mine when it comes to um, game design in general, but especially UI UX is, and this is actually the reason that I went into it in the first place is the like bridging the gap between art and tech and having the, you know, the game's design of the mechanics go hand in hand with the way that they interact in the visuals so it's completely seamless and immersive that's a big thing in games is immersion and if you're going through a menu and it's just like completely takes you out of the game it takes you forever to find what you need that's the worst thing that you can have so yeah my favorite part is kind of being the bridge that gaps my two favorite parts of games mm -hmm. and do you do you also uh the research uh during the startups, uh, so yeah. what kind of research do you usually do for, for uh, video games? Well, um, more specifically, uh, like the one, the one that I ended up doing for my co-op was I worked for the Holland Bloor View Children's Hospital, where we, we made a game for kids with cerebral palsy. Uh, we mixed their, they had this, these like therapy apps where they have to like trace shapes to kind of work on their fine motor skills, which they hated. They were not fun, felt like a chore. So we took mm. that and merged it with Clash Royale's um, kind of general idea of its game mechanics. But of course, we took our own twist on it. But with that, I had to do a lot of research on, you know, this is a mobile game and how kids who, you know, may not have the same physical capabilities as other kids, you know, they might need to differently interact with their, um, with their game, even something just as small as making the buttons bigger so that they have less of a chance to like miss the button. And if they do, having the actual hitbox for the button be bigger than the visual for it. So they have more room for error because you know they're shaky, they don't have as much control. So even, even something as small as that, we had to test quite a lot, do a lot of research on. Um, luckily they had a focus group that we could test a lot of things on. Hmm. Um, That's yeah. very good. Uh, I know some time ago, uh, Microsoft came up with the, with the first um, uh, joystick inclusive joystick for uh, yeah. disabled people and I, I don't i don't remember exactly how it looks i think i think it's something like uh you, you can have in one hand and do things from one yeah hand, if i'm not wrong i don't remember so that's that's very cool uh and, and that's one of the amazing things about good design is that it's inclusive and uh makes people happy and that's a joystick you know it's, it's all been uh one category of people's problems but it's also gonna solve other people's problems so it's it, it's gonna work for one category but it's also going to work for everybody else. Oh, for sure. And I think the biggest thing that kind of came with this, um, this co-op was the fact that um, these kids felt very separated from their siblings who are more able-bodied than they are, that they couldn't play the same games. They couldn't play games with their siblings. So we tried to make it a point where the game, yes, was it kind of more intended for kids with CP? Yes. But the whole point of it was to be able to play online with their siblings and have something interactive while still getting their therapy in. Um, and they, they want to feel normal. I think that's a big thing is that they want to feel like they can play the same games as their friends and of course be a part of it. Mm -hmm. 
uh, the, re the research that you did, was it particularly on people with uh, physical problems or also mental problems? Um, this one was more focused on physical, uh, mm -hmm. just because I was the kind of focus of the game. But in general, um, our producer, she is very focused on accessibility. And we tried to use as like, you know, as little words as possible when it came to our iconography. So like to play the game, we had a play button rather than the word play. And especially it helps for um, localization as well, that you don't need to translate as many things. Um, mm -hmm. And in general, having more symbols than words and anything to make it easier. We also made a point to have the color palette of the game be accessible for any kind of color blindness. There is a web app that anyone can use called coolers.co. So it's C-O-O-L-O-R-S.co. And it's just a color picker, essentially. You can make color palettes. But in that, you can also change your palette to any kind of the um, color blindness and test your palette to see how it works with different kind of color blindness if you yourself are not colorblind. So you can make sure that at least the contrast between your colors works. because. Huh. There's nothing worse. I have friends who are colorblind, and they're, they say there's nothing worse than when people don't check their contrasts because then they can't see anything in the game. Mm -hmm. That's that's right. Yeah. Well, um, it would be even worse if you can see the traffic lights. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> A friend of mine, like he plays, he loves Guitar Hero, but he's like, I only play by position when a lot of people play by color, and he's like, I don't know what the colors are at all. I just know like top to bottom what they are, and he's so good, but. You, you, when you, as like, as me, as someone that has, you know, normal color vision, I think like green, yellow, whatever, when I play Guitar Hero. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's a, a very different experience, but. Oh, that's definitely challenging. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, related to uh, people with physical um, uh, um, um, disabilities, sometimes ago I went to this uh, workshop about um, inclusion design, and that's, that's where I learned about. Uh, uh, gaming gaming design for inclusion uh, for people with physical disabilities and they also shared something very interesting with me which was uh how hiring uh people with disabilities mental disabilities and also physical disabilities in companies can be uh very beneficial especially if they're doing uh something very repetitive that most people uh, can get bored of like uh, software development or uh, uh um, programming and so on and they found that uh, some of these people are actually um twice as productive as as a person without uh, mental issues and and uh in uh, i think in glasgow um the company the first company that started doing these it's uh jp morgan uh, which is the, the the bank company, and uh, they 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 organized the team, and they they got in a few people with mental issues, and they've seen a lot of improvements in their team with the with the productivity. So uh, yeah. yeah, don't under underestimate. There is also a big market for um uh, for these kind of things. Yeah, and like you know, at the end of the day, we're all people. We're all different. We have different capabilities, and um, I'm really happy to see that companies are opening themselves up to being more inclusive because That's everyone. Wonderful everyone has value you know yeah uh, you know i really love that uh that was the first time i heard it and and i was very happy because i you know i didn't i didn't even think that there was a program like that and you know i, I was quite happy i was quite happy it made me made me feel really good that uh, yeah. you know there, there is people that are, are considerate and and uh they want to help and that's very nice uh you know i have i had a question about uh ux and ui uh related to the work that you do in the company so uh Nowadays, there is there is some people that 
they just want to do UX. There is some people that just want to do UI. Uh, you obviously are doing both. And uh, do you think that uh, someone can do UX without UI? Like if I was a UX designer that just, um, that just started UX, right? Do you think I, it would be beneficial for me to know UI or vice versa? Um, I personally think, in like my own opinion, that you should know both. Just at least to have an understanding to go up to a UI designer or a UI artist and be able to, to express your design visually, especially for artists. We tend to be very visual learners. We, you know, just being told like, hey, like this is how it works. Make it look like it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have an understanding at least of how um, the visual side of things can work to be able to communicate, especially. Um, yeah, but then as long as well for ui designers where it's like you know you can't just make things like ui artists you can't just make things pretty they have to be functional <laughs> as well there's actually a game called persona 5 which i haven't personally played but i've seen like videos and screenshots of it one of my friends bruce he's very passionate about this game because he hates the ui with a burning passion <laughs> it's very very pretty it's very dynamic there's a lot of movement and it's iconic in that sense of graphics. But let me tell you that getting through any menu in that game is like pulling teeth. It mm. takes so long to get anywhere you need to go just by the fact there's so many animations and it takes so long. So if that UI designer, like your UI artist understood UX principles where, you know, it needs to be efficient as well, then the, the UI in that game would have probably been much better but still that, kept that iconography as well that's right and and the reason why that is so important is because um our mind works that even if we're having like an amazing experience uh even when we're in a coffee shop or in a pub or or uh, playing video games and then we have a little thing that bags us uh it's gonna ruin the whole experience oh, yeah. uh, so so that we're, we are going to be uh, very unlikely to to use that product or, or service or or game again and that's why uh, ux is so important because it just um uh, fills that that gap and it makes sure that it, it's not going to be perfect but you know it's gonna it's gonna make you happy and it's gonna solve your problems and it's uh it's gonna not make you frustrated yeah for sure and, and that's very like, satisfying yeah it's like the the thing about being like satisfying um, and I was talking about before a big thing in games, and I think in general when using like apps and products that are supposed to help you, it's you know a cohesive experience and the immersion. And the second that something breaks that immersion for you, you're just gonna notice it every time. Mm -hmm. Oh, related to that, uh, once I was in a hotel, I, I was sober this time, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sober when I came in. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, well, the, the thing is that when I, when I came in, uh, the hotel was beautiful. You know, it was full of colors, the architecture, the trees, and books all over the place and it was really cool i really liked it but then i came in and there was no reception i turned around there was no one that would help me and then i turned on the right and um there is there is like some computers and and apparently you had to uh, sign up and log in and whatever do everything yourself and for me that was the first time that that happened and i was quite frustrated because i didn't know how to use the computer and and uh, like I know it's funny because I use the computer every single day, but <laughs> like when something new happens to me, I am uh, I, uh, I don't know I don't know what's going on. I'm very confused, right? Yeah. So I, w I was happy when I first came in to the to, to the hotel, but uh, then 
when I had to do that thing on the computer, I got really frustrated and I didn't enjoy my whole experience at, at the hotel anymore because every time I would be at the reception, I was bugged by that. Yeah, that and then it's the whole point of being at a hotel is having that personal experience of like the concierge, they're going to help you. And then now suddenly you're kind of taken out of that routine and you're thrown into like, go on the computer and do it yourself. And you're like, what do you mean? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's a good, that's kind of a good point with UX as well, where it's like, there's certain principles that just work. And, you know, there's a fine line between innovating that will fix a problem and innovating for the sake of innovating. Like your hotel problem is like, why did they have the computers? Just because mm-hmm. they didn't want to put people at the desk. Hmm. They say that the only ones that can innovate and still solve problems are only the biggest company like Apple and uh uh, what's it called facebook and so on because they have they have the budget and they have the control over people to do that so whatever change they're gonna make people are gonna adapt but if you're a small business or if you're a small video game or whatever uh, you have to adapt you can't make other people adapt and yeah. that's a concept I mean, that applies to everything like uploading on social media for example like even on instagram you know like you can't upload your video horizontally you have to upload it just like everybody else yeah Yeah, in a way, mm. it's like, for things like that, where it's like, you're never going to have a vertical video posted horizontally, but um, you'll find that a lot of smaller companies are innovating, but then the bigger companies buy them out, and then you (laughs) never hear about it. (laughs) Mm. Very good point, actually. Uh, Yes, Um, amazing. What would you say is your strongest ability when designing? Um, I mean, this probably won't come as a surprise, considering everything I've said before, but my (laughs) visual skills, my visual communication skills, being able to, you know, create a design for the user and then map it out visually, whether that's on paper using wireframes or using something like Adobe XD and making a like a digital kind of interactive wireframe, being able, just being able to bring what I have designed in my head out into a visual for someone else to work with, I think is my biggest skill. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And uh, what what is it? What what's something that you've learned working for companies and startups now that uh, is helping you to be more successful uh, day by day or when working in a project? I think a big thing that I learned, especially when working with Holland Bloorview, was um, modularity. So, in that being, whatever you make can be used again in a different context or applied in a different project. For example, I learned something called nine slicing, where for a UI asset, instead of making several different boxes of the same style, but in different sizes and having several individual assets, you only have one asset that in, I'm pretty sure you can do this in many other things, but in Unity, you can kind of like take the sprite and cut it up into nine different sections. And then now it's infinitely scalable with no like, Hmm no like compressing of that image and then you can use it anywhere and it saves space and even with code or design where you can take let's say i don't know you designed like a a text box of some kind that like you fill in a name and it like i don't know but you can Mm -hmm. take that and put that into another product and it saves you time and saves you space just being able to reuse things Mm -hmm. i guess it's more efficient is it called nine nine slices.com not, it's not a website. It's a practice in um, like asset creation and implementation. It's called Nine Slicing. Oh, it's a strategy. It's a strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, cool. Um, is it is, is used in prototyping? Yeah. So when prototyping and um, creating like UI assets, mm -hmm. um, it's called line slicing. And that's that's very interesting. Um, I will I will Google it later and uh, <laughs> put a link in the in the description of the podcast. For sure, I'll so. send you some stuff. Oh, that's that's amazing. Thanks. Uh, you know, a few days ago I was reading about eight. C's, I think it's called eight C's, which is a sketching technique. It, well, I had to mention it because there is, a, you know, you said nine slices. So I had to say eight. Yeah, C's. yeah, for sure. <laughs> and and it's a sketching technique, and you basically, uh, before you prototype, I don't know if you usually um, sketch. Uh, do you? Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, there uh, in a in a A4 page, you just divide it in uh, eight uh, in eight parts, and and uh, for every single. Um, a rectangle or a square you make a different type of interface so then when you made the eight sketches you have more choices of, of sketch so if you didn't like For something sure. you can just uh discard it because it didn't take you long anyway it's just like a really quick sketch that you can make in less than one minute you can make different eight different interfaces yeah uh, that's um pretty that's good. actually a major thing that i learned through my time in school which is like iteration and iterating on your idea um, even if your first idea is the one you end up going with, having that kind of confidence in yourself that I tried a bunch of different ways, it confirms that what you did was right. Um, and yeah, just like always being willing, kind of like having the humility to let go of your first idea. It's, it's going to sound really morbid, but one of my professors taught me this. It's the concept of killing your babies. <laughs> it's like your first idea might be your favorite. But be ready for that to be shot down or having to rework it because nothing's permanent in the, flexibility. The flexibility yeah. and being open minded. Yeah, and being humbled that maybe your idea, you might think it's really good, mm. but it might not be the best for the project itself. That's why I keep a sign in front of me when I sketch that says, You're not designing for yourself, you're designing for the users. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a big thing. There's so many game devs that really like. These days, I think it's a bit better, but you kind of learn through your dev experience that you're not making a game or a product for you specifically, especially when you're working for a company. If you're working for yourself and you're just doing it for fun, do whatever you want. But when you're working for a company, it's like you're, you're making it for the users. You're not making it for you yourself. Mm -hmm. so kind of like taking yourself out of your project in a way. Mm -hmm. I know what you mean, and and that's a big problem I have because when I design things for myself, I never do a good job because I <laughs> because I because I'm not thinking like like when I do things for my company, I go like, oh yeah, I'm designing for the user, so I'm like yeah. flexible, open minded, I change yeah. things, I research, and I do everything like, that yeah, sorry. Humans are humans are very interpersonal by nature. It's like you want to make this for that person, so you're like, I'm gonna make it right for you, and it's a really good mindset to have to like. Be like, uh, you're giving him a gift. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, I have to be honest. It's a mindset that you that you also have to approach in 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 life. So yeah. if you if you are open minded at work, you're also very likely to be open minded in your life. And it's not a if you're open minded in your life, it's a very good thing because yeah. listening to other people's opinion, be more patient is definitely gonna always pay off. Um, that's wonderful to hear that. Uh, yeah, uh, I had a couple of more questions. Um, did you did you uh, take? Uh, you said in the in the hospital you did some uh, research uh, yes. focus groups. Is that uh, the only kind of research you did, or you did something else just for out of curiosity? 
well, we, we also did like general internet research. Um, mm. You know, it's always very good. Uh, just like scholarly articles, and then also kind of, I forgot what it's called, but like speaking to people who have you know family members and kind of like internet interviewing people and seeing how they've kind of experienced it and along with that also my aunt actually where she's been disabled for 30 something years from a really bad car accident and Mm. when she was younger she loved video games she loved pac-man specifically so we like found a way to get her to be able to play (laughs) pac-man so Mm. through that through my own experience i knew like a few things here and there that i could bring to the table as well Wonderful. Uh, did you did you interview people in in, in the hospital or also outside? Uh, both. both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm managing the hospital. There must be there must be a lot of people with those um, issues. So it would be easy for you to to interview them on a on a regular basis. Yeah, it was. We did it more of like by appointment because we didn't want to just like walk in and be like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah, I have no, some that's... questions." <laughs> um, but it was especially at like sick kids. Um, mm. we there was actually one of our friends. His mom worked at Sick Kids, so she worked something out that we could go and interview some kids there. But then also Holland Bloorview, they have a whole, you know, the whole section just for kids with CP that they're working with. And that's why they were making that game. So a bunch of people got to go in and talk to them as well. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a lot of like in-person and over email. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's that's amazing. Um, I really like that. And I think you have the right personality to be around kids and... <gasps> And like, uh, be really, uh, how do you say, outgoing, outgoing. And I think all UX designers could do that. Uh, It's definitely not not easy, especially interacting with kids uh, like me. I'm I'm not good with kids. So (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to say that I'm lucky because I, you know, through my, like my side hustle, I'm very like, I've found that I'm more extroverted than I thought I was. I actually used to be a camp counselor when I was younger. Mm. So I'm pretty good with kids. I can handle, I'm very good with like people in general customer service so i bring that yeah. to the table as well actually i would like to bring that up too um this is something that uh you know uh, now i'm going to ask you something about people that want to step in ux into ux design and sure. uh, being curious be outgoing being friendly and ask uh, you know like talk to people in general it's definitely uh, one of the must skills and uh interpersonal skills that you have to have um, to be a ux designer i think sure. mm-hmm. because if you don't have those skills it's probably uh, very likely that you're going to be uh, close-minded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one, this one uh, is um, directed to the people that want to step into UX design. And, uh, well, you obviously have a bachelor's degree in uh, game design, which yeah. helped you a lot uh, becoming a UX design and uh, having a, a very... Um, Open, open mindset. Uh, to the people that want to begin UX design, uh, what, what, do you, what do you suggest they, they should do? Uh, what kind of background do you think they need uh, to begin UX design? Who can begin UX design? Um, anybody. I think a big thing that one of my favorite professors kind of taught me, and in a way this is a little bit, you know, like anti-school, but he's always like, if you get a job while you're in school, drop out <laughs> and hmm. go do that job. Because especially something beautiful about the creative tech industries is that you don't, you commonly, unless like you're some next level software engineer, you commonly don't actually need a degree. <laughs> um, it's just more about like passion and interpersonal skills. Um, so yeah, because I started right. out being a graphic designer and doing art, hated code, 
awful at math somehow ended up here um and a big thing in the games industry especially i'm not too sure about other industries but games industry it's more about what you bring to the table than the piece of paper that you got by paying forty thousand dollars and going Hmm. through a program Hmm. um again by that one professor that i that i like i love he's a very very smart guy you know He's always said that people would rather someone with a good portfolio and a willingness to learn who's a good person than someone who has a degree, is cocky, and isn't willing to learn. So, that's a big thing. True. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I completely agree uh, with you on that. Um, I, actually, I would, I would like to bring something up and ask you that because you went to Sheridan College. And I know, and I know a couple of people that went to Sheridan College and now they're working for Google. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, like me, I'm I don't have not working for Google, so I don't have that going. Through, but... <laughs> uh, you know, like my, my, my question, you know, just out of career, my own curiosity was, um, do you think you need a degree to to get into uh, big companies like uh, Facebook or Google or Apple? I would say I'm probably not the I mean, I'm going to be honest and say, like, I'm not personally too sure about their actual hiring process, mm. but I do think that again with enough passion and motivation and hard work you don't need to go to school as long as you know the stuff and you have the skills i think you can run with the best um actually a, kind of a note on that is you know to be a professor in a, in a college you need a master's degree typically but one of my favorite professors he has no college degree let alone a master's and he's teaching because he's that good and it's just through his own merit and his own skill that they're like, he's too good that we can't pass it up. So I think that's a big thing is being like having passion and learning those skills through your passion and motivation is a way bigger thing than getting a piece of paper that you paid for in a degree. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I really love I, your answer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but also to Sheridan, thank you for letting me graduate. I very much appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yay, yay, Sheridan. But... <laughs> It is. Definitely. It is also true that you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't really need it, right? I know. I know. They also have uh, some interaction design uh, uh, diplomas. That's yeah. that's where the people I know uh, they work in Google graduated from interaction yeah. design course. So I think that's that's probably like user experience, hundred percent. Oh yeah, for sure. I would say if someone wants to get into UX specifically, do the interaction design course. But if you're still kind of on the fence. And you want to kind of feel it out, then game design is good as well. But if you're very set on UX, I've heard amazing things about the interaction design course. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about uh, Brain- Brainstorm UX? I think it's a company in uh, no, not Brainstorm. It's called. Uh, it's a company in Toronto that does UX uh, certificates. Oh. It's called Brain something. Uh, I don't. I don't recall it. Uh, it's, 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 it's <laughs> I'm not too sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a new um, it's a new school. Um, most UX uh, UX certificates that are not uh, certified by universities nowadays, they're just like professional diplomas and so on, and you pay like a couple of thousand of dollars, and yeah. and they teach you UX for like six months or four months or five months. And uh, I'd say that's a better bet than going forty thousand dollars in debt. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Actually, that's an interesting point because like, I went to college and and. Um, I got a diploma in uh, photography and also got a diploma in uh, UX design. And one of the things I've noticed from going to college for many years is um, that you're learning a lot of things, definitely. But you're also learning a lot of things that you won't need. Yeah. And 
that's a waste of time and in, in my point of view uh you know like maybe maybe not everybody thinks it that way but um you waste a lot you might be wasting a lot of time on things that you don't necessarily need uh for example me i learned on uh, old business techniques which are not used anymore nowadays that's yeah. was because my uh, teachers were old <laughs> and and you know, like who the f- like sorry uh, i was gonna say I mean, something bad <laughs> yeah i mean it's my podcast yeah uh like like they were teaching me stuff about like sending mail uh, marketing things like by mail and oh, like that. who does that uh, like come on listen we had to do a bunch of marketing stuff in our last year and one of our professors kept telling us to make brochures with our skills on it i'm like i'm not going to walk up to someone from ubisoft and hand them a paper brochure with what i do they're going to throw that right out mm-hmm. i'm 21 i'm not printing out a brochure of my <laughs> skills and services <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, like, I wish I, I wish they told me, like, you know, how to get twenty thousand followers on on Twitter. That like, jeez, <laughs> that's good marketing. You're like, that's good business. Teach me that. You're like, yeah. But anyway, that's there is no magic tricks. By the way, it's just hard work. And and uh, Selena knows because she has a successful uh, Twitter account um, with her uh, business name called um, Carmigo, which we're gonna Carmigo. be talking about uh, soon. Uh, She's a her side hostel, uh, quite successful, and she also sells clothes in um, Toronto downtown when yeah. it's open. Yeah, of course, because mm-hmm. Corona took that away for us a little while now, but we'll mm-hmm. be back to that soon. Oh yeah, uh, actually, yeah. Let's let's get let's get to uh, let's get talking about Carmigo, which is your side hostel. Uh, when did you, when did you start it? Um. Well, technically, Carmico itself started in March 2019, but I've been doing, um, like, you know, merchandise design and selling it at, um, like, comic conventions at my own little booth since I remember 2015. That. Yeah, I know, because you went to one. <laughs> oh, my God. That yeah. was a bad one. Like, that was the, honestly, in my books of all the conventions I've done, and I've done so many, that was the worst convention i've ever done in my life um you gotta come to a i still still had a lot of fun you know i was i was going through like nintendo ds uh for the ones that don't know uh me me and selena were both in toronto in 2015 at this uh what's what's the event called again Oh, it was called the GTA Collectors Expo. Mm-hmm. It okay. was in the basement. It was a very big hotel. expo hotel. Yes, in like in a basement. Yeah, it looked like a garage, like a garage parking garage yeah. or something. Um, it really, because um, what I've done for the last now almost six years, yeah, five, five, five going on six years is um, you know, I sell my stuff not only online and now at a physical physical location downtown Toronto, but at you know comic conventions and gaming conventions all over the GTA. Most notably, Toronto's Fan Expo, EGLX is a gaming convention, and Toronto Comic Con. And Fan Expo is the biggest one. And I just, when I was younger, like around 2015, I was kind of dabbling in smaller things because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, But now I know where the business is at. And I don't go, I mean, GTA Collectors Expo, very good for its crowd, but it just wasn't for me and the stuff Mm -hmm. that I made. I, I I agree on that um, because I remember they were selling a lot of things like PlayStations. There was also yeah. a couple of people doing wrestling, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, there, there was, was right. Okay, there was wrestling. <laughs> so if you're into wrestling and uh, video games like uh, uh, sorry, like Nintendo DS and uh, like actual all... collectible figurines, go yes, there. Go there. My stuff stuck out like a sore thumb. I was like, no one's collecting <laughs> this. Um, right, right. But I so, will be at. Oh wait, go mm-hmm. ahead. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I was gonna say to our listeners, uh, if, because I have, I have a few listeners from Toronto. Uh, you know, if you're into the game design industry and if you're into UX, you should definitely be uh, an active member of these communities because that's where you can find um, uh, possible um, possible startups that you can work with, uh, possible colleagues. You might. Um, you know, find uh, some um, people that you can network with and get contacts and one day they might uh, get you a job if you're looking for a job uh, yeah. these days. Actually, something on that note, um, especially going to EGLX, which is a gaming convention, would be a big thing to go to. But for anyone who wants to get into like the game dev side of things, um, there are so many events in Toronto which people don't take advantage of, especially when they're starting out. Like you have bonus stage, which I frequented for years doing talks there. And it's like a power up game bar in downtown Toronto. Um, you know, people would have drinks, play games, and then people would do talks. And anyone could do a talk. Anyone could sign up and, you know, talk. I, I talked about UX. I talked about, you know, burnout, especially like creative burnout. So many different things. And then through that, you make you kind of put yourself out there. It could be kind of scary. I hate public speaking, but I did <laughs> it anyways. And I met so many people through that. I met like, and you'd be surprised to see like these smaller events have um, a big, like bigger company presence. But even I think a big thing too, when you're networking is don't go into it being like, I'm going to find a job. I'm finding a job today. I think you need to make genuine contacts of people that you genuinely like because a big thing in the games industry is you people want to work with people they like. And if you go out there being like, this is my business card, please take it. I only want to talk to you to get a job. Then it feels very, you know, disingenuine. Of course, at the end of the day, we all want jobs. We all want to work. But if you're not genuinely interested in them as a person, they can tell. It's definitely That's a very interesting word that uh, you said right there. Genuine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would like to say it again. Uh, genuine don't don't um don't take but give yeah it's always gonna come back for sure Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people nowadays they like you said you know they go there in cocky oh i want to show you this i want to show you that oh i'm coming with you just you know like if you pay me a beer or whatever just like the mentality like that doesn't have to be a beer you know uh i'll come with you if you give me a job you know like just just go try things like you said right for a few years you went to exactly make friends right Uh, especially in big cities uh, like a lot of people's problems are that you know there's so many people that you don't have friends go there network uh make friends uh offer a few beers look nothing's bad is gonna happen (laughs) <laughs> yeah and like, especially if you're scared bring someone with you mm-hmm. um that's a very good idea especially if like, there is uh free refreshments and um in uh events bring yeah, someone with you <laughs> i think a big thing like i always went in big groups um not only because i'm a tiny girl but in general even my guy friends it's just like it's better to know that you have someone to go home with like mm-hmm. to like obviously like you go together and you go to your own place mm-hmm. but like, you have someone watching out for you and you're watching out for them because you know not that these are hostile places everyone is quite nice but you never know it's downtown toronto um but don't be afraid but still have your safety blanket of like someone to rely on being there for you Mm -hmm. that's that's a that's a very good point right there because toronto is very big uh in glasgow i don't I, i don't think we have that kind of issue um because we, we have like a very small community. Usually our mm-hmm. events uh, are between like 10 to 20, maybe 30 yeah. people maximum, not, not not any more than that. So we all know each other. Uh, it's it's pretty small and, and um, 
beers are cheap so yeah. it's good it's good <laughs> beers, beers are cheap here My God. actually um you know like a networking tip uh don't underestimate the power of beer you know like Honestly. you you talking like a bit more could get your freaking job so <laughs> no, liquid courage is so true obviously drink responsibly and only when you're 19 in canada mm-hmm. don't drink underage but liquid courage is so true there's a like i i'm very social but when it comes to like public speaking and like walking up to people get a cider in you and you're good to go <laughs> yeah yeah i remember the first times i was networking and going to events and i would drink a coca-cola and, <laughs> yeah, I was, and then i was like i wasn't talking the whole event and you know that that you know i was just like a ghost in the workshop yeah. or whatever it was and then i was like all right you know this this, this is not working out i you know i'll have a beer the first beer I had at a workshop, I was empty stomach, and oh. <laughs> you can't imagine what happened. A little too confident I started there. talking, I started talking, I started talking, but in the end, I made a lot of friends. My Twitter account had already 20 followers. I just opened yeah. my Twitter account. <laughs> so, like, after the event, I had 20 followers. I was like, shit, this is working. You know? It does work. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the second event, uh, you know, like, the same thing, and I ate before going. And, and uh, you know, it, that's the way it is just uh be like uh smooth and relaxed and yeah think, and happy and things will happen for you yeah uh, related to carmigo uh carmico you said right yes carmico mm-hmm. what do you sell exactly uh do you make what what is it that you do so it's kind of more it's an art and apparel brand um i don't want to put myself in too much of a box but i make you know clothing bags um art prints coasters anything really um a big thing it's like a a nerdy apparel brand in a way um my tagline is mindfully made which is both mindful of the environment but also mindful of the people buying my stuff um i'm a big thing i'm doing right now is my button-up shirts which i make all the patterns myself like i draw them and then i design what the like the shirt shape supposed to look like and then i have a really nice manufacturer that works for me but i want to be mindful of not only the environment so doing it in a friendly way but then also of the people buying i'm not a plus-sized brand but my sizes go from extra small to like six extra large because i want anyone to be able to enjoy the things that i make because at the end of the day we're all people and we all deserve nice things so mm-hmm. uh, do, do you make the graphics yourself uh, oh yeah mm-hmm. i draw everything from like sketch to vector file to the actual like patterning and moving around of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you sell online? Do you have yep. like the e-commerce? Carmico.ca. Uh, Carmico.ca. Perfect. Uh, do you also sell uh, physically? Right. You, we mentioned yeah. uh, turn so to the downstairs. Arts market. Mar- the arts market in Toronto. Um, I'm getting moved to a different location because of Corona. They had to shut down one of them. But I'll be either at the Junction or on Queen Street. Um, still mm-hmm. kind of working that out. I used to be at the College Street location, but unfortunately, Corona had to do its thing on the economy. Right, right. Um, but people can still buy online, though. Yes, yes. And then I do all the deliver, all like shipping myself as well. So. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, okay. every, everything goes through me right now. But then mm-hmm. also, once quarantine is over and we have conventions coming back up again, I will be right in person with my little pop up shop where you can meet me and buy everything that I make. Wonderful. And if people wanted to follow up with that, uh, how could they? How could they um, see that? Um, well, I post a lot on social media, so Instagram would be at Carmico with two eyes because someone, there's like 
apparently there's an Italian last name that's Carmico, and this this guy, <laughs> this, oh. this guy made the accounts ten years ago and hasn't used them, and I'm like, please. Um, but yeah, same for Twitter at Carmico. I post on Twitter all the time, um, and that's the best place to get updates for me. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, I had the same problem, by the way, that someone used my same name, and because I used Alessia UX, but someone used like, like Alessia UX on Twitter, and I haven't used the account for like years, and I was I so know. angry. I report to them, and there's a way that you can like you can contact Twitter, but you have to like actually tweet about it. And I'd like I don't want to be that guy to be like at Twitter. Please give me this handle. Like I'm like okay, I'll just just let it go, I guess. Uh, like I tried to send them a message, but uh, they, they didn't reply because they they haven't used the the, the Twitter. Oh yeah. And what I, a coincidence! He's an Italian person too, by the way. Yeah, but <laughs> has Carmico is also Italian. I was like, who knows? Who knows? Oh, by the way, uh, big shout out to Carmico Dacier. Uh, I've been on the website several times. It's wonderful. Selena is very active on social media, so definitely follow her on Twitter and also Instagram. She posts uh, beautiful content. Her art uh, really comes out from her her heart. So definitely, <laughs> yes. So check check it out. She makes everything herself and uh, support small business owners. So go on her site and uh, buy some of her clothes. Uh, you're not going to regret it. And uh, they're very comfortable. They seem, uh, they go like from small uh, sizes to large sizes. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I have a couple of more questions, uh, and then I think I think we are done. Um, For sure. In UK right now it's night. I know in Canada it's uh, afternoon. Yes. <laughs> is it is it sunny today? Uh, not at all. It is mm. a little bit rainy. Yesterday was so nice. It was like 19 degrees Celsius. We sat outside. Today it's rainy. Gloomy. I, know. I know what you mean. Ah, uh, here the same too. I mean, isn't that kind of all the UK though? <laughs> <laughs> well, usually, usually it is. Yeah. Uh, lately, it was very sunny. Uh, and so, but well, I mean, it's, I, it's I definitely not snowing. <laughs> I, mean, I wish that I had Italy weather right now. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, Italy. Uh, I was. Uh, I, I called my um, relatives a few days ago, and uh, it's twenty-five degrees right now there with sun. So, how's the quarantine? Because I know it was super bad. I hope everyone in your family is okay. Yeah, everything good. Thank you. Uh, just like, uh, you know, uh, they're trying to go back to normal. I think tomorrow everything is opening. Wow. Maybe next week also the gyms are opening again. But uh, they're, they're taking a lot of precautions, lots of masks, lo- lots of, of uh, sanitation systems. Um, people are staying like one or two meters away from each other. So it's going to be different. They're also going to be opening the beaches again. Um, wow, that's the, so nice. On the sea. So yeah, that's that's nice. Hopefully, um, we can uh, I can go to Italy during the summer and get I get a uh, buff buff tan. That's how it's called. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I care about. <laughs> I I really enjoy like uh, being on the beach and uh, um, get a get buff tan and and smoke mm-hmm. a cigar and like have some whiskey. Because anyway, in Italy you can drink outside, so it's not oh. illegal. Yeah. So oh, I went I went to Portugal. You can judge me. <laughs> we did the same. It was oh, so yeah. nice. Love that. Yeah, Portola is exactly the same. And uh, having some bacalao too on the beach. Oh, uh, yeah. Sardinias and all oh, that. Oh, no. I miss it so much. <laughs> I know. That's so good. 
that's that's what you like to have during the summer, like some some like sardinias on the barbecue. Oh yeah, sardinias is like a very uh, stinky fish. That <laughs> sorry, I had to say stinky sardines. Yes, yeah, sardines. Yeah. yeah, very very. Right. Uh, sorry, I had to say stinky because it is. If it you is. if you make it, it on is. the barbecue, it's so good. <laughs> it's honestly sometimes the smelliest foods are the best foods, like brie cheese. Yeah. Uh, one's actually very funny thing. I brought to work some sardines that I made the previous day on the barbecue, and I hidden hid them in the microwave. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> okay, that was a... <laughs> yeah, like everybody hated me, and I was like, it smelled like a harbor in the in the, <laughs> in the office. It's just like crazy. Uh, I never done it before, and I thought, oh, I mean, that's a good idea, you know. It's some... the first and the last time. Yeah, first and the last time. Some omega three, some proteins, and whatever, and then. My manager almost fired me. <laughs> you're a great so, UX designer, but your food smells. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, that's my flaws. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I have one one more question for you to to wrap up everything. Uh, if you have one piece of advice for uh, people that want to begin UX, what would it be and why? Honestly, this is going to sound like the most cliche thing ever, but just start. Just do it. No one ever did anything amazing or got their dream accomplished by not starting. The internet is a beautiful thing. There's so many resources on YouTube, or even if you want to pay a little bit and go to like Skillshare or Lynda.com. Not sponsored, but sponsor Alessio. That would be great. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but there's so many resources online that you can get started right from the comfort of your own home. There's literally nothing stopping you but you. Oh, and an internet connection. If you don't have right. internet, it might be a little bit of a problem. But just get mm-hmm. started. So no one ever got what they wanted by not doing that. Wonderful. Uh, actually, uh, related to that, what's because like you're a person that does so many things, and and you know like uh, I've seen your work and um, uh, like your social media page, and you're very active. You do like you have so many side hustles, and <laughs> I think more people should take um, inspiration and motivation from what you do. Oh, thank uh, you. Yes, uh, because a lot of people, you know, they, they well, it's fine to get comfortable, but um, you know, get get too comfortable, it could be it could lead to a negativity in your life, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, I, I I get inspired from by the work you do. So tomorrow, first thing, I'm gonna start working again on my social media. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's what's one uh, habit that contributes to your success or to uh, your daily motivation? Well, I would say that I'm like a little bit of an, a, like an outlier nutcase in a way, because I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed workaholic to the point that like my friend, like my friends are like, Selena, please take a break, stop. But I think a big thing that helps motivate me to like see that all the work that I'm doing, or even like the little bits of work that maybe if I have a not so productive day and I'm feeling bad about it, um, something that I love doing is just to kind of like take a step back. And even if you have to physically write it down, like to go over your journey so far, even if it's something as small as like, you know, I did a sketch, one sketch today, that's still one sketch more than you would have done if you didn't do it. And being able to reflect on your journey so far, you'd be like, wow, look at how far I've come. I've done so well, but to not get comfortable with that and be like, I know I've done so much and there's still so much I can do. So having that pride, but not getting comfortable as well, is a big thing for me to um, stay motivated and keep going for more and more things. 
but then also allowing yourself to take a break and smell the roses, you know? I really like that. I really like that. And uh, I can relate to that because um, a couple of weeks ago, I felt like I was burning out. Mm. I was working like 16 hours a day and you know, I, was, I wake up at six in the morning and uh, usually at 12, I switch off my computer in, at mm-hmm. night. So I felt like I was burning out and I decided to take a whole week off and do nothing but play video games. <laughs> and I actually, I feel good. I feel good. And, yeah. you know, like I had, I had wine every day and making big meals and stuff like that. So, and now I'm ready to, to go back to work and, and, you know, like taking that break made me appreciate more what I'm doing, made me understand more what I'm doing. And also, like, have the little pride of the things you're doing, but not too much. Oh, yeah. Like, for example... Like, uh, so, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, thanks. Uh, like, for example, uh, related to this podcast, I, I could see how many listeners I get every day, but I'm not doing it anymore because I don't want to have over pride mm-hmm. about the podcast, right? So, right now, I check once a month. I will check once a month only how many listeners I will have, just to check, you know, what's uh, what's going on and... and uh, how many Easter's I'm getting, but I won't be doing every day. Otherwise, I will just get like overprided, prided, I guess. Yeah, yes. that and it drives you, like numbers drive you crazy. Um, it, like you can get obsessed with just like, especially within like because I'm very active on social media. I was very lucky to have been given the opportunity of kind of blowing up on Twitter a few weeks ago about like some product that I designed, hmm. and then I found myself like constantly checking, being like, how many likes did I get? How many followers did I get today? Why, like, why did I lose one? Why, like, where did, what did I do? And it gets very obsessive at a certain point. So, like, A, being, having the humility to stop looking at it because it's cool. <laughs> but then yeah. also to not drive yourself insane on numbers. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how, how much you have, but, like, what you do with it. Um, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, in business, for example, like, in Instagram, you could have, like, uh, 10,000 you know, like fake fake followers or like uh, like 9,000 fake followers and then just like 100 real ones. Mm-hmm. Or you could be having like 100 real followers that are buying your products. And that's way more valuable than, you know, like 10,000 people that don't talk a shit about you. Yeah. When I was younger um, and I was like just starting out, I was like 16. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go buy followers so I look better. And then a few years later, I'm like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life because it's not genuine at all. And like, I, like I'm admitting it. And I deleted that account, completely deleted and started over because it wasn't real. It was fake. And you can see it in your numbers. Mm-hmm. It, you're fake. You're lying to not only everyone else, but yourself as well at how well you're doing. Okay. So I really don't believe in buying followers. I think that, you know, you're just kidding yourself at the end of the day and it's going to harm, do more harm than good. Um, and I learned my from lesson. Both ends. I bought myself followers for my 16th birthday, <laughs> like an idiot. So, uh, learn from uh, me. just out, out of curiosity, how many did you buy? I bought like 200, not even that oh. much because I was scared. But, like, I can assure you now, all my accounts are real followers. Um, <laughs> it's just like I bought 200 followers and I still felt guilty about it. <laughs> I don't know, I know. Like, I've seen accounts with like 10k, 100k that are all bought, and I'm like. Yeah, you can see. What that. does that do for you? Well, uh, actually, right now it's very hard to tell because Instagram has changed their um, how do you say their their interface, so you can't yep. see the numbers anymore. Yeah, and because you used to be able to look at an account it has a hundred k followers, but like maybe fifty likes, and it's like mm-hmm. I'm so sure those are real. <laughs> but now you can't tell likes. anymore. 
yeah that's that's kind of the scary thing is that you can't mm. tell who's real and who's fake uh actually i can <laughs> because like my instagram uh for some reason is still like the old version yeah i mean it's I probably because where you are i know in canada we can't see anything but what you can see is that at the end where it's like so and so and others liked this post if they have more than a thousand it'll say so and so and thousands of others so it's kind of a way to be able to tell or it'll be like it'll be and hundreds of others thousands of oh. others or tens of thousands of others That's so they still have those little things to be able to tell like this got a lot of likes but you're not going to know how many mm-hmm. kind of deal so keep oh. an eye out for that you'll That's know it's interesting uh have you tried tiktok yet yes i love tiktok <laughs> i'm not i'm not popular on tiktok and i only post like a few things here and there um honestly the thing that i posted that was actually about my merch did decently well but hmm. it's addicting it's so fun some some hmm. things are stupid and not funny but some things are hilarious and it's <laughs> it's addicting i know i know what you mean you can scroll like on that uh, for hours Forever. yeah and like half of it's like nothing but then mm-hmm. when you get a gem that's hilarious i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i know what you mean and you know related to user experience design i think tiktok has done a, like a really good job solving people's problems which nowadays are becoming advertisings and something that tiktok doesn't do uh, is advertising companies that like you can scroll without getting bugged never there are there are ads but the thing is that they're so well integrated into your scrolling and they're also in the same format as a tiktok Mm -hmm. that you know like i can tell right away when it's an ad but that's because I'm kind of savvy to it. But when a brand is heavily showed, like you can see yeah. the brand. Yeah. But it's still like a funny video or it's a dance. It's still, yeah, it's still funny. It's still entertaining. And mm-hmm. it's in the same format of a TikTok. So it doesn't break the immersion like we were talking about before. And you can easily swipe it away. You're not locked into a 30 second ad like so many other yeah, things. Instagram. Yeah, like ugh, when I'm going through my stories and I'm just like, ugh, another ad. Mm-hmm. And also, they're they're not like related to what you like. Like some of them are, some of them are not. Like yeah. for example, like you, you know, you like classic music, and you scroll and you see like this guy rapping, and yes. <laughs> you're like what? <laughs> so that, that that's not very good. But Facebook, yeah. I think Facebook Facebook owns Instagram, right? Yes. And I think the Facebook advertisings are more uh, integrated. They're more targeted. They're more integrated. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, I don't want targeted ads. Yes, you do. Mm. And I'm going to say why. You don't, like, like you were saying, if you like classical music and you have someone rapping, you don't want to see that. And you're going to see ads no matter what. I'd rather see, like, I love gardening. I'd rather see gardening ads than, I don't know, I'm not a big basketball person. So if I want to see a basketball ad, I don't care. Mm. You're going to see ads no matter where you are. Why not have them be targeted towards you as an individual? And even mm. if you're not going to buy it, it's still nicer to look at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now, you just uh, actually just remember something about Facebook, about uh, user experience related. Uh, we're going to wrap, wrap up very quick because I know uh, it's been going on for a while, this podcast, but I'm, jo- I'm enjoying the conversation. So I'm going to say this. Uh, Facebook right now is advertising a lot uh, on their site. But in the beginning, when uh, Mark started the, the, the Facebook, yes, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have any advertisings. And, and the reason why he, he did that, it's because 
at least that's the way he said in the documentary, is because he didn't want to interrupt people's experience throughout the site, and he didn't want to be like everybody else. So he wanted the people to enjoy and make friends and talk to people without being bugged by um, advertisings and and uh, make like a so full experience. That. This is so much for that. Yeah. Zuckerberg. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, right now it's changed a lot, but but like the the way it began, right? He made like so many followers, uh, he has so many people using Facebook, and then it was at a certain level that people now had to adapt to Facebook. Yeah. So right now, right now people are fine with any type of advertising because Facebook is Facebook. Yeah. So he, he can do that, but um, like many many companies, you know, as soon as they start, they, they start to advertising, they start selling shit on their like podcast and like for like I'm not, I'm not, like I have a few people that want to uh, sponsor on my podcast, mm-hmm. but I told them no, okay. and that's that's yeah because like I don't want to I don't want to interrupt the uh, user experience. Flow, uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't want to sell somebody else. Stuff, that and you know? I think a big thing is like as far as I'm aware, you're not doing the podcast because you want to make the big bucks. You want mm-hmm. to do it because it's it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I like to I like to talk to people. And, and you like to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah, I like to talk to people, and I also want others to uh, know what's going on, mm-hmm. because uh, I think everybody should be aware of what's happening in other parts of the world. There might be something that you might be interested in, but you don't know. That's because I think people will appreciate that too, because there's so many like, oh, there's some podcasts I listen to. Like I, I listen to a lot of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts because mm. I'm a big old nerd. But they'll be like, you know, another word from our sponsor, and another one, and another <laughs> one, and I'm like, I'm so glad that you guys are getting money so you can make this. Also, I just want to hear you be nerds, please. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I meant. You know, like you don't want to be interrupted, and you know that's that's amazing that uh, we're doing that. Wonderful, uh, Selena. You know, I'm so glad that you came uh, today. If someone wanted to get in touch with you personally, uh, how how could they do that? Um, so I will. My DMs are always open on Instagram or Twitter. Both of them are at Carmico, C A R M I I C O. Or you could email me at karmico at outlook.com. I know I use Outlook. Don't hate me. Um, and it's same, double I, Karmico. Yeah. Wonderful. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you for having me.